I want to read you my very Christmassy text in just a moment out of Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 1. Before I do, um, this thing that Chris Luke mentioned a moment ago about this trip to the Panama and you're supposed to uh, contact Richard Cave. Some of you perhaps don't know Richard. Um, if, if, uh, if everything breaks down in the world, I, you want to move in next door to him. Um, if the world breaks down, he can fix it, I think. Uh, Richard Cave is the perfect leader for this little effort in Panama City. So if you um, want to go and know that you don't have many skills, he's got extra for the rest of us. So uh, give it a thought. It's, it's, um, it's a worthy project, and a, as, Chris, uh, as Chris called it, um, a mission strip is what it is. Now, you follow, as I read, that which is um, a, a book that's inerrant. It's infallible. It's, um, it doesn't contain all the errors that you have been told. There are none, in fact. And I want to read you just a brief portion of it. Jeremiah chapter 5 at verse 1, which reads like this. Run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. Look and take note. Search her squares to see if you can find a man, one, who does justice and seeks truth, that I may pardon her. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, it endures forever. Hey guys, uh, apparently I'm not alone in my love of Christmas music um, and listening to it. it it's, um, uh, maybe you've noticed that, or have you noticed, that last year there was one local radio station that uh, dedicated all of its programming to continuous Christmas music. This year there are two radio stations. There used to be only the river, but now there's the bridge. You know, we got a bridge and a river, or a bridge over a river, but they're both playing Christmas music. Um, and, you know, a part of the programming is they had these little interviews, and they ask people, and normally children, um, the recorded interviews, and they say, what's your favorite part of Christmas? And, you know, 30% of the time, uh, they say, oh, the music, the music. I just love the music. And all the churches that are packed out, uh, including ours, over the Christmas music concert, you know, I don't exactly understand the psychology of all that, <clears throat> why, why we so enjoy Christmas music. Maybe it's because it evokes, you know, happy memories, maybe. Maybe that's what it is. Um, I know this, that the thing for me that, that I find so, I don't know, intriguing is the variety of the music that, it, that is, uh, everybody sings them, from Brenda Lee to Bruce Springsteen. We've got something being sung uh, at Christmas time. They all want to get in on the act, I, I, I guess. And, and so the, the songs that they sing reflect a variety. I mean, you've got one little girl who wants a hippopotamus for Christmas. You've got another little girl who's standing in the Target line, uh, I mean, a line at Target, and she wants to buy a pair of shoes for her mother who's dying, but she hadn't got enough money, and she wants uh, her mother to look beautiful when she sees Jesus at night. Boy, that's a tearjerker. And then um, you got one other bigger girl who uh, all she wants for Christmas is you, which is kind of sweet. And, 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 then, and then you've got this other woman who unfortunately got run over by a bunch of reindeer. And, <laughs> um, and then you got the little boy, the little boy. And I've never, figured, I've never quite figured this out, why this little boy gets included uh, at Christmas time. The, the little drummer boy, the, the rump-a-pum-pum song, I do not understand what the message of that is. Maybe, maybe you can help me out there. And, and then, of course, we have chipmunks. Um, and you, everyone knows that chipmunks have good voices. Um, these little three chipmunks are a little snarky, 
uh, because they want to sing it again, um, but um, you know they're not allowed. And but even that is kind of funny. But my favorite, my favorite in terms of the secular music at the at the season is of course from the King, that is Elvis, um, when he sings "Well, I love the blue Christmas." That's that's my favorite. Um, and then then onto all of that secular music, you add all of the 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 religious Christian stuff. You know, um, Mary, did you know? I mean, that that is such a wonderful song. And, and Oh, Holy Night is is fun. And then all the hymns that we sing and just got finished singing. Um, it's a lot of variety and unique. I, in in terms of uniqueness, I I would suggest to you that at least from the the, the secular world, the, the most unique of them all, in my opinion, is one that is sung by many of our favorite, Thurl Ravenscroft. I mean, everyone's heard from about, you know who Thurl is, don't you? I mean, every, it's a household name, Thurl Ravenscroft. His lyrics in his Christmas offering uh, are considered by many, including me, genius, absolute genius. And, and I think they are. Um, and if not genius, they're certainly unique. You have all the tender sweetness of a seasick crocodile. I mean, um, <laughs> that's genius. Um, your heart's an empty hole. Your, bo- your brain is full of spiders. You've got garlic on your soul. Boy. Um, you nauseate me, Mr. Grinch, with a nauseous super nos. Um, why is everybody so down on poor Mr. Grinch? Well, because he, he runs contrary to the overall message of the season. He's antithetical. That's, uh, he doesn't fit. He's not wanted. It's not, um, it's not a welcome message. He's disliked at this time of year. He's an anomaly because, you see, the, the, the primary message of the season has something to do with the overall goodness of man. Um, there's no place for a Grinch in this overall, in this most wonderful time of the year. Because it's about, in, large, in, a, in a lot of ways, um, the goodness of man. You've got, um, you've got a local bank independent bank who has launched operation kindness you've got toys for tots you've got sharing and giving of bicycles and food boxes and coats and duffel bags there's the salvation army that's got a presence in front of every grocery store with a little red kettle that's asking for donations the marines the marines are collecting trailer loads of toys um, then there's the Angel Tree Project. Uh, maybe you've heard of that. That's, uh, that's sponsored by Prison Fellowship, and it's designed to make sure that the kids of incarcerated parents are not left out in the gift-giving. And then there's the Media Blitz um, about all these instances of goodness. Um, the one that I, I, that I like the most is by Microsoft. Have you seen it? Um, and the tagline in the, in the, um, the ad is, uh, when we all play, we all win. Really a sweet uh, thing. The media sparkles with all these messages of goodwill among men, uh, highlighting events where that is on, on display. 
Now, guys, please don't misunderstand me. I'm, I'm not trying to um, devillainize the media or, or Independent Bank. I, you know, I'm glad that Independent Bank is having an Operation Kindness. I mean, who wants Operation Meanness? Um, I, I'm, I'm for all of those projects. I'm for any effort that anybody is behind trying to, to uh, meet the, to lessen the needs of the under-resourced or somehow balance the playing field. I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. In fact, Gracie Van, as most of you know, is, is, um, is trying to do those things not just at Christmas time, but all throughout the year. Um, part of the, it's part of the, the wonder of the season that all of these things um, that have some kind of uh, display of sharing or giving um, are, are being done. Um, Guys, the media that is that is full of these messages and illustrations, they are they are saying absolutely consistently with their worldview what she believes to be true. I do not, and I cannot expect um, anything different from the media. I'm glad she's promoting goodness and showing acts of good people. I don't want to denigrate that in the slightest. However, in into that overall cultural message, the Bible speaks. The Bible speaks in Jeremiah chapter 5 verse 1. Um it is saying that not one honest, not one man of justice or truth can be found in all of the city of Jerusalem. Um, even where Jeremiah lives, even in the best of us, we still can't find a a righteous man, and the, and the New Testament agrees with this message. It says in Romans 3, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is not one good, no, not one. And that message, the message that you find in Jeremiah 5.1 and Romans 3 and elsewhere, it's a message that, that into this season comes as one big old clunk. It's a very Grinch-like message. The idea that there's not one righteous man to be found in all of Jerusalem. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, that's the, that's the uh, Jeremiah 5.1 interpreted. If you want to know what it means, it's simply um, that uh, you can run to and fro through the streets and you can look at the you can take note, you can uh, search your squares and, and uh, look down the highways and the byways and you just aren't going to find the one righteous man in the whole city. And if you were to have found one, says this text, God is announcing that he is willing to forgive the whole city if you can find one righteous man. There's a way to save Jerusalem. 
um, because this text is describing a, tra- a, a transaction that God is willing to base forgiveness for the many on the righteousness of the one. If you can find a righteous man, on him I will base my distribution of forgiveness to the many. You need to find one. Just one. Not a hundred. Not fifty or ten or even two. We're not looking for a few good men. We're just looking for one. And based on the righteousness of that one man, says this text, I, God, will forgive the sins of Jerusalem. But sadly, look as long as you like, take as long as you want, But that one righteous man will never be found. Diogenes tried. Do you remember that name, Diogenes the Cynic, 350 B.C.? Diogenes, it is said, um, took a lamp and uh, walked through the streets of Athens in the daytime looking for one honest person. But forsooth and anon, (laughs) he never found one. And had he walked through the pages of human history, or perhaps even brought his search to Memphis, Tennessee, or perhaps even knocked at my front door, he would have still come up empty. Guys, this text is not teaching God is not saying here, nor does he say anyplace else in this book, that man is as bad as he can possibly be. He's not saying that. Dennis Rodman wrote a book years ago saying, as bad as we want to be. Now, that might be true, but this text is not saying that man is bad as he could possibly be. What he's pointing out is that before he can ever pardon, there's got to be found one man. One righteous man. Because you see, forgiveness is not baseless. It's not founded upon nothing. It's founded upon something. It's got to rest on something. It rests on righteousness. Perfect righteousness. (coughs) Pardon me. Jeremiah is is saying this in the city of Jerusalem, which is somewhat ironic because Jerusalem is a city that's highly advantaged in terms of it being the the headquarters of the the Jewish priesthood. It's also um, very likely the the stomping grounds of all the prophets. It certainly is is the home of the temple. And yet, 
not even there, not even in Jerusalem, after all the religious activity and all the religious ceremony, the effect of all of that activity is essentially zero. In fact, Jesus calls the temple a den of thieves. So why is that? Why is it, how do you explain the disconnect between the, the cultural message of the goodness of man and the biblical message that there's none good, no, not one. None righteous, not a one. Well, guys, it's pretty easy to explain it, I, I, I think. The explanation is to be found in simply this, that all of these human attempts at goodness do not add up to righteousness. You see, outward conformity to religious standards is not what righteousness is. In fact, all of those, those, that conformity to religious standards counts, at least eternally, for nothing. Because you see, all of our attempts at being religious people, they are all subtle attempts on our part to somehow twist God's arm to save us on the basis of performance, human goodness, human production, human merit. While the Bible speaks unequivocally, there are no good men. There's not one. There's none righteous. No, not one. Not one. So you can roam the streets of Athens. You can roam the streets of Jerusalem. You can roam the streets of Memphis. And you're still not going to find a righteous man. And, and you must know that the basis on which God promises or announces forgiveness is righteousness. Righteousness, not, not attempts at human goodness, but according to this text and Romans. There's not a righteous one ever been found. And we're still looking. <laughs> you know, guys, there's an Old Testament story that you know. Um, it's a fun story. Um, it's, um, it's found in uh, Genesis 18. You remember, it's a story about Abraham, who was the father of the faith. And God has come. Um, he has heard of the stench in Sodom. And he has come down to do something about it. And he announces and he explains to Abraham that he is about to wipe Sodom off the face of the earth. He's about to destroy her. And that's very upsetting to, um, um, to, to Abraham. 
And Abraham, having heard that, he, he says to um, God, he says, now listen, surely um, the, the, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? I mean, you're not going to wipe away the wicked, I mean, the righteous along with the wicked, are you? I mean, surely you, you won't sweep away the righteous with the wicked. And he says, um, now, now, now just imagine for a minute, God, um, um, imagine that perhaps there are 50 righteous people in, in, there in Sodom. I mean, if there are 50 righteous people, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't dream of wiping away that city with, along with the 50 righteous people, would you? God says, no, no, I wouldn't. And then he says, well, <laughs> um, what about 45? I mean, because 45 is only five less than 50. I mean, you wouldn't sweep away Sodom if there are 45 righteous people living in there, would you? No, I, I wouldn't, says God. Well, I'm sorry to, to, to bug you, but what about 40? What if there were 40 righteous people living in Sodom? You, you, you wouldn't sweep it away then, would you? No, no, I wouldn't, says God. Well, what about 30? If there are 30 righteous people in Sodom, you're not going to destroy Sodom when there's 30 righteous people living in there, are you? And God says, no, I'm not. And then Abraham says, well, what about 20? You know, if there are 20 righteous people in Sodom, you're not going to pour out your judgment on that city, uh, including the righteous, are you? No, I wouldn't do that, says God. And then finally Abraham says, okay, I'm sorry that I'm, 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 I'm I, but let me speak one more time. What about 10? What if there are 10 righteous in the city? You wouldn't destroy it then, would you? And God says, no, I wouldn't. If there are 10 righteous there. And at that point, mysteriously, Abraham stops asking. Why does he stop? I, I don't know. We're not told in the text. Perhaps he's afraid. But he stops at 10. But ladies and gentlemen, why didn't Abraham go all the way down to one? Why didn't he ask this? God, if there is one righteous man in Sodom, just one, you won't sweep him away with the wicked, will you? And do you know what the answer would have been? The answer would have been no. I won't sweep it away if there's only one righteous man. Well, how do you know that, Jimmy Young? I know it because of Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 1. If you can only find one. But he cannot be found. Not in Sodom. Not in Jerusalem, not in Germantown. Oh, that one man, one righteous man could be found. We have searched, and we haven't found one that is among men. But we're still searching. And yet, ladies and gentlemen, 
at Christmas time, we are told that although there are no righteous among men, there is one who has left his home in heaven to be the righteous one on whom God could place the sins of his people. And not only that, he could then become the reservoir of righteousness from which God could take righteousness and give it to the unrighteous people like me, someone as wicked as I am. Oh, says our text, find a man. Ladies and gentlemen, may I be the first to inform you We have found him. He is Israel's Messiah who didn't come to set Israel free from Rome. He came to set Israel free from her sin. He is the one that Abraham didn't ask for. But God sent him anyway. Because the search among men is fruitless. But the provision of heaven is exactly what my soul longs for and needs. The righteous one has been found. Because the righteous one has been sent. And there he lies. A babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Lying in a manger. Who would have ever dreamed? that he would be the remedy for the sin of mankind. Folks, the culture loves baby Jesus. They just don't like the grown-up version. People are comfortable with Jesus in a manger but very uncomfortable with him on a throne or a cross. The culture loves babies, but they don't love saviors. Lying in swaddling clothes in a manger, that's fine. But hanging naked on a cross... Sing to me about coming home for Christmas. But don't say anything to me about a call to repentance. Deck the halls with boughs of holly. But do not speak to me about shed blood. 
And yet it's the one who spilled his blood. Who is the righteous one that the culture doesn't even know she wants and needs. The righteous one that we look for is the one on whom God bases forgiveness for the rest of us. He is the substitute of the righteous one for the forgiveness of the unrighteous many. Run to and fro. Take notes. Look. Search. But may I tell you of a truth? The only righteous one that ever has existed. is that baby whose birth we now celebrate. He is the righteous one that our soul longs for. Our Father, would you make Jesus Christ the one who is altogether lovely this morning? Would you cause men to see him not as, not as this weak and beggarly pauper but might they see him as the king of glory the lion of the tribe of judah but even more importantly might they see him as the righteous one on whom you have offered forgiveness to the rest of us it is on him that forgiveness is based the righteous one in exchange for the unrighteous many. Those of us who know him this morning, glory in the provision that you made for us in Christ. Father, if you brought other people here this morning who have not yet met this Savior, might they know that any attempt at human goodness will fail, at least fail in heaven. What they need is not more events of human goodness. What they need is a Savior. And there's only one of them. Christ Jesus the Lord. Might he be seen this morning in all of his beauty. We pray, of course, in Jesus' name.